0: Lifeway.
1: Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the One Ministry Question Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And before I say anything about a question today, I want you to understand that uh, we serve a lot of different churches with a lot of different polities. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, <it's> good. <laughs> don't throw any rocks about deacons versus elders and this, that, and the other. Um, you can somewhat, even though I know this is dangerous to say as well, I don't want to say that you can, I, and I'm not going to say this actually that you can use those terms interchangeably because you can't from a scriptural standpoint. So we don't either. Um, But I'm saying we do recognize that there are good and godly uh, churches and church leaders who have elders and there are good and godly church leaders who have deacons and there are good and godly church leaders who have both. Um, So we are not, you know, promoting, 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 i don't even know what word i was trying to say we're not doing that though you're you're building
0: up the tension you're like man okay what are we going to talk about that you need to you need to preface it with all this uh why don't you tell them daniel all right okay so that honestly, Todd, that's great. I love the fact that you opened that way because the question in and of itself, if we started with it, people might turn off the episode right away. So at least at least you prefaced it before the question. The question is, what is a healthy elder board look like and how do you find the right people? And even in that question, right, Todd, like some people might be like, it's a board. Oh. No, no, no. You can't have elders and a board or so. But let's just generalize it a little bit more. Hey, here are overseers for and, and those who are responsible for the care and the guidance and the leading of your local congregation, regardless of denomination and polity. How what what does a healthy leadership team look like at that level? And how do you find the right people? Right.
1: So typically, Uh, Just so we're talking here, everybody understands um, when you define some, I just want to make sure everybody understands elders are really overseers of the church. Deacons are typically responsible for assisting the pastor uh, in, you know, serving the church. Yes, they're going to speak into stuff like church building and distributing, uh, you know, things to uh, widows and orphans and, 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 And so on and so forth. I just want you to understand that um, the context for this question is really that that board. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's continue.
0: (laughs) Okay. So this is this is great timing because for us at our church, October is our first board meeting of the year. And uh, as we started off and we were doing some office appointments, like board appointments as to who's going to be the treasurer and the secretary and the chair and the vice chair and and all of these at our church at Beulah, we do a modified carver model of a, of a board. And I even recognize even in that some people might be like, I don't know what that is. And other people might be like, no, we don't do that. There's lots of different ways to do that. But as we did that, I actually started the board meeting off with a reminder of both responsibilities and uh, and qualifications. So I started and and honestly, you go to Titus one, you go to first Timothy three, and you can get a clear sense of qualifications for an elder. And, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to go there. You guys, you all know this and and you you read this and, and you, there was a part of the nomination process where this was vetted and was this true of you. But just as a reminder, there's that. However, um, in. As an elder, you have a spiritual leadership responsibility, a responsibility for spiritual leadership. But there's also the governance side of leadership that you need to bring to our church in and through holding both of these in hand when you think about qualifications, I actually think calling is a huge qualification and even before getting to the responsibilities and what it looks like to be a good, good board member and to, and how to find it. I was like, are you called, right? Are you praying about this? Right? Cause at, at our church we sign a conflict of interest, uh, document. So if you're trying to be a board member because you want to get a one up on 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 this, that or the other or, or put Beulah on your name as being a board I mean you can't you can't do that. there's there's a conflict of interest uh, side of this that you cannot benefit. your business cannot benefit from you being a board member and vice versa right there there's there's strict lines that we need to play. So all that aside are you called to this? and is there a process in your, in your church whereby you are helping people discern their call? What are your thoughts about that, Todd?
1: Okay, well, um, f- first of all, I do like how you have that uh, conflict of interest clause in there. I think that's important for people that don't have that. That might be something that you should, from a practical perspective, you have something you wanna apply that might be a good one. Yeah. Um, I actually have a question back at you. Um, and that is how many do you have? Mm -hmm. Uh, just because, you know, when you look at, again, I don't want to keep bringing up deacons deacons. It's like, well, you, you can't have, it's not like, I don't want to say you can't have too many, but you can have a lot. Whereas Mm -hmm. elders, Mm -hmm. I would say, Hey, if you're a smaller church, you know, you might only have Three, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I would I would say you, you have need to have at least two or more, and the pastor be one of those in that yeah. instance. Uh, for
0: yeah, we we have twelve, and okay. the and the lead pastor is the only staff member that is a part of the elder board, and every board member other than the lead pastor serves uh, two year terms, and you can serve up to three consecutive two year terms, and then you have to step off the board. For a year and then you can and then you can begin and then you're allowed to be nominated again.
1: So was that something that um, that you inherited? And if so, have you tweaked anything?
0: Uh, I did inherit it and I did not tweak any of it. I actually love it. Uh, I I love the cycle of it. I like because I've I've heard the horror stories of the the no term. Board members or elders that you're just like, oh, my goodness. Uh, And so I think there's that the benefit of the, you know, revisiting and are you called to this in this next season and not getting stagnant and there not being this huge measure of power being held by the 20 year board member right. Or the right. elder or, or whatnot. So there's that side of it. The other side that I would love to, I I, w- I want to applaud uh, my predecessor, Keith Taylor on is for the last 30 years uh, in our constitution, the lead pastor is supposed to be chair. Uh, for the last 30 years, he has deferred that to one of the other board members and he has assumed the vice chair position. And I, Absolutely love that. I love that, love that, love that, especially in light of everything that's been going on with power and the abuse of power and all that. So, I know in our context, the lead pastor board hires the lead pastor and the lead pastor then hires and manages the rest of the staff. Um, So, for in my context, yes, I have quote unquote lots of, you know, quote unquote power in that I lead the staff in the direction in that way. But to have a board that I'm then accountable to, and where I'm not leading that board, I find is a healthy chicken balance. I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. All right. So
1: on balance, it sounds like it seems for best, you know, each church to kind of uh, decide how many elders that they may, maybe not decide how many you think you should have. Mm. Um, you want to start with a baseline of two or more. But really seek to recognize that calling piece and that these are men of God who've been gifted to serve as elders, you know, and and uh, making sure that they kind of fit that role. And then, you know, the the scary thing is when you get kind of a quota or quorum situation where Mm -hmm. it's it's a ratio or something like that, because then you can be almost forced into putting some people in place that aren't really uh, qualified to be in that role. So yeah. just yeah. wanted to caution people on that.
0: No, for sure. And even when it comes to how do you find the right people, right? Cause what is a healthy elder board look like? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to that just in a little bit, but how do you find the right people? What is your process for Nominating or selecting your board members. And that again is different for every church. At our church, we nominate. We have a nominating committee, and then the nomination committee puts forward names at our annual general meeting. and then our congregation votes on those board, those elder members. Uh, but what does that process look like at the nomination level? Well, at the nomination level, I mean, for us, what we're looking for are ideal church members. Right. So there is the function of, hey, can this board member, uh, is there an expertise or a sense of, um, you know, how they can add to the, the leadership of the church in light of what they do at work and, you know, the expertise that they bring? There is that level of it, but that's not actually the question we start with. The question we start with is man, are they a godly individual? Are they an ideal church member? Are they showing signs of life in, in giving and serving and, and, and attending and, and pouring into the life of our community? Uh, And then there's uh and then after that is discerned, then we actually make the call to the individuals and ask them to pray about it. Um, But going to what is a healthy board uh, look like? It's interesting. This last this last board meeting, I actually shared four points to the board, and I just wanted to remind them of, hey, hey, this is y'all's responsibility. This is our responsibility as a board member. Number one, that we that, you know, our responsibility is to protect, guide and pray for one another, for our staff and for our church. Right. And a healthy board go into that question, a healthy board. It's their responsibility to protect, guide and pray uh, the other side in the responsibility is like, hey, as elders, uh, we need to model being ideal church members by living out our practices. And, and that's just language at our church. Uh, our practices are our 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 core strategy of what we do. So we gather together, grow together, give together and go together. So then I elaborated each of those points and I was like, yeah, this is our responsibility. This is we need to model this as ideal church members. And then the third point, this comes out of the Carver model is that, hey, everyone, the board speaks with one voice and we exercise authority as a group and not as individuals. So I then said, hey, so what that means is our meetings are confidential." Your spouse isn't supposed to know what's being talked about in this meeting. Like, like you are the board member. Our meetings are confidential. So uh, and the other side is um, don't give your individual opinion on board matters to our church or to our staff, because sometimes that happens, right? It's like, oh, you're a board member. I'm going to get your ear. I'm going to ask you this question. And it's like you're not allowed to say anything as an individual. You need to speak with one voice And because you're representing the church and you're a board, you need to speak with that one voice. And if there's a question that needs to be brought to the board, then say thank you for that question. I will bring it to the board. And then you need to then speak with one voice back. So so how I ended that point was. So what that means, y'all, is that there's no meetings outside of the board meeting. So. Yes, you can relationally connect with each other. That's great. But don't be having meetings after the meeting (laughs) or meetings before the meetings where you're trying to get an allies and you're trying to say, oh, I know we're going to talk about this. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? No, you're not allowed to do that because it puts some people at disadvantage to other individuals. Guys, we're one voice.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Let me ask a question. Sure, sure. Do you have a chairman? Yes. And do you. uh how do you feel about having conversation with the chairman about agenda and feelings about particular issues on yeah, the yeah, agenda? Yeah. So,
0: so myself as the vice chair, I do meet regularly outside of the board meeting with our chair to set the agenda. So okay. that's, but we don't talk, we're we're not like, let's let's try to sway the vote or do this. We're just setting the agenda as to what we need to talk about.
1: You're more godly than I am. Daniel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I it, could, tell you. <laughs> it does. It does put people at a disadvantage, right? It does. It does when, when you're doing that. And then it's like, wait, so why am I here? Like, it seems like everything was already decided.
1: <laughs> no, no, I, I totally get that. It's not that you're going to bulldoze over people. Um, but in setting the agenda and walking through with that very trusted person, I mean, ultimately, by putting yourself in a vice chair position, you are um, you are putting yourself in a vulnerable uh, or submitted position. Submitted mm-hmm. position is, is the term I would use there, um, because ideally, you know, the chairman is there to break a stalemate, Um if, if yeah. that's the case, but ultimately hopefully lead to a unanimous, uh, conclusion that even if we have to shelve something and bring it back up at a later date, you know, we'll do that. Uh-huh, I, I uh-huh. do think that, um, what you're doing, the, the way that you, um, positioned yourself and the posture there is, is really important. And even, uh, even the conversation about having clarity over this—you're on the elder board, not your spouse—and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so, man, um, that was an immediate practical thing that I already picked up from what you were saying.
0: Oh well, because how often? How often is is our conversations then brought into the bedroom and at in the living room, and then oh, yeah. kids hear it, and then is the spouse on the board, right? Like, and and the spouse is swaying. No, no, no. You're on the board. Your spouse wasn't elected for the board. You're you're the elder, not your spouse. Right. So but that that happens too often. And that's why I wanted to. And I'm not talking about our context in particular. I'm just saying in general. Yes. Right. That meetings are confidential. So the last point is that the board has one employee and that that is a Carver model piece. Uh, I do love that sense because by reiterating the fact that, hey, guys, the board has one employee and that's the lead pastor, it prevents them from thinking that, oh, now I'm a board member. I'm going to go boss this this staff member around or try to say this or the other. And and it's just it's it's not healthy. And then you then get board members going around the pastor trying to influence things. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: So when you say um, the Carver model, where yeah. does one find more information on the Carver model? Yeah. So this is you, John Carver. Correct? Yeah, John
0: Carver, John Carver. So you can look up the book boards that make a difference. Um, it's he's an expert on nonprofit and public organization management. So I know right. on that side too, some people might be like, "Well, why are we bringing that into the church?" And hey, it's it's best practices, right? It's best practices. Yeah. So. so
1: I would say um, you you go back and you pick up yourself. Uh, if if you're leading a church and if you're taking the time to um, either establish an elder board or take a good hard look at the way polity is done in your church. I would suggest that you uh, go pick up a classic that you might already have that you, you know, were assigned in seminary and uh, (laughs) you just didn't read it as much with 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 your future role in mind at that time. Mm -hmm. Now it might be good to go back and pick up a copy of Elders and Leaders by Getz. Um, He's been around for a long, long time. Great one. Uh, There's another one. Uh, biblical eldership, I think it's yeah, called. That's right. yeah. And it's uh yeah. begins, I, I can, can see, see the, the cover. cover.
0: Yeah. I can see the cover. It's a
1: blue. Uh okay. Uh, and and then um always, you know, nine marks if you want another perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anything nine marks does, uh, you know, you'll get a really uh handy small um book that will have a ton of stuff in it, but Gene Getz and Strouch is the guy and I'm looking at it now, uh, on Amazon. Thank you very much. Uh, and, uh, it is biblical eldership and urgent call to restore biblical church leadership. Um, and that's a good one too. Uh, Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. if you're wanting to study, just get all those and have yourself a good old time for a couple of weeks. Um, Walking Through Those, Dog earing all four of those books. And uh, we'll certainly leave a, uh, a link to those in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Please go on to Apple Music or wherever you're hearing this podcast now. If you can leave a rating, do so. Share it with a couple of people. And uh, thanks so much for listening once again. We'll see you next time.